This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University. Hey everyone, I'm Beth Jones and this is Just About Work, where we talk about everything that might have an impact on your career. Today we're chatting with Intel's Chief Information Officer, Paula Tolliver. She'll tell us about her career as a corporate leader and what it means to be the CIO in an era where managing information is critical to strategy. Paula also will explain why and how more women should say yes to jobs in STEM. Of course, that's jobs related to science, technology, engineering, and math. Paula will talk a bit about what Intel is doing to encourage a diverse and inclusive workforce. And she'll share tips about how women can thrive in technology fields and can work their way to the top wherever they may be building their careers. Paula, today we want to talk about some of the issues that I know are particularly interesting to you, like how to encourage more young women to get into STEM jobs. But first, before we get into those things, I want to hear about your career. You hold a very important job in tech, and I think our listeners would love to hear about how you got there. And as I understand it, you grew up in a little town very close to us here at WOUB Studio in Nelsonville, Ohio. It's just up the road. Were you thinking about a career in IT way back then? Well, it's a it's a pleasure to talk with you today, and um, I can't say that I was thinking about uh, IT in those early days growing up in, in Nelsonville, Ohio. As, uh, as you mentioned, um, it's a small community and um, frankly, uh, at those, uh, that point in time in my life, I uh, was just focused on um, getting good grades, going to university, that's what my parents both encouraged, um, and to have, um, you know, a great career and eventually be able to see the world, which was one of the things that I um, had a curiosity about very early on in my career. So um, really, that's the influences in my life were in those early days about uh, tech was was with my dad. My dad was uh, an engineer and um, actually self-taught engineer um, and learned the trade in in the Marine Corps when uh, he was serving. And got an interest in engineering and used to do math with my dad all the time and um, knew that I wanted some type of career in a technical discipline and uh, started to get interested um, significantly. One of my favorite topics in school was math. And and um, and as I pursued and really enjoyed math and started to think about what, uh, what type of studies um, that I wanted to pursue, um, I veered into computer science actually from some um, suggestions from a next door neighbor who was happened to be a computer science uh, professor at the local college, and so I uh, started to look into that. And sure enough, it was something that was uh, very interesting and built on my love of math. And um, and from that point forward, uh, that's what guided my selection of uh, of my. Uh, studies, and then later uh, my job and career path. 
you were fortunate that you had those influences. Your father doing math with with you, that's wonderful. Not every girl has that opportunity. And, And you had a handy neighbor, and so you got into a good field. But you started uh, with a strong background, it sounds like, in math and science, and you got into um, a good technical field. When was it that you became interested in being a leader? Because not every great technical person has an amazing career history like yours of kind of moving your way up. When did you start wanting to lead? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. You know, it's I'm at a point in my uh, career, Beverly, where I have reflected a lot because I, I get asked a lot in, in my engagement with um, young employees coming up through my company and also outside of my company, um, curious about my successes and what what's made me successful and what's driven my choices and so forth. And, you know, what I would say, you know, I credited my dad uh, a lot with uh, my selection and, and love of math. I would credit my mother with... Uh, you know that instilling that drive in me uh, to be the best, if you will, and whatever I was doing and whatever I was pursuing, and um, I had natural leadership tendencies, partially um, because uh, you know I enjoyed and loved um, you know being around people, and naturally, uh, I guess I, I naturally like to be in charge. I, you know, I don't know where that came from. I guess probably from from my mom because she was very assertive as well. But um, you know, I uh, with that tac- technical um, you know curiosity and and love of of math. You know, as I got into the workforce um, again with some of that natural leadership tendency, I. I, you know, when I was in school and um, in high school, I, I, I was naturally um, involved and took on uh, leadership roles in student council and um, in sports and uh, in the arts, et cetera. And that kind of carried over when I got to, to uh, university and the workplace as well. And when I got into the workplace, um, it really came from, you know, my personal drive has really came, come really from that instilling being the best that you can be. And so in those early days, it was really about me competing with myself, you know, always setting goals. That's something that my, um, you know, parents instilled in me. And it was something that was prevalent in my early career days. Um, you know, my first job out of university was with Dow Chemical. And, you know, we had a very strong program in teaching people to set goals and um, annually achieve those goals and track your progress. And so that goal orientation was supported in the workplace. And then as I started, you know, working for different bosses um, in my early days, that's when I really started to get interested in pursuing management and leadership ranks because, um there were times where I really didn't necessarily um, agree with the direction we were headed in or, um, you know, the approach, if you will, to a project or um, a a new uh, technology. And so I learned early on that, well, the way that you, um, you know, can ensure that uh, you're in alignment is to be the one helping to set that uh, direction. So, that's really how it started in the workplace and setting those goals and making sure that I was 
um, you know, involved in setting direction um, made me pursue the management ladder as opposed to just the pure technical ladder in my field. And I was also very fortunate, Beverly, to have mentors early on that I could uh, bounce ideas off of and who could instill in me and uh, knowledge that they had had from their careers and helping me understand what kind of career paths were available to me. And I developed a strong sense in those early days of developing a career plan, revisiting that career plan on a regular basis throughout my career so that I could ensure that I was making the right choices as I was going along my career path and in developing the skills that I needed to position me for uh, the jobs that I needed. And so that would be one kind of piece that I would really uh, encourage others to do is to seek out those mentors and um, and glean insights from them from their career paths. And one of those uh, was that really great early skill and interest in uh, making sure that I was focused on a career plan. You know, I agree with you so much about mentors, and I, I think that some people um, say that they look around and they don't see anybody who they can call on and they're having trouble finding people. My experience is sometimes the way you can attract mentors is to be a mentor and uh, be a peer mentor so that you understand how the relationship works and you understand what it is to um, to give help, and then that makes it easier for you to frame your request to other people and, and to understand uh, how give and take are so much part of the process. Do you um, work with um, younger women sometimes on, on learning about how mentoring works and how they can attract mentors? Yeah, so that's something that we talk about a lot, and I do that not only with young women, but also young men coming up the career ranks. And um, one of the, the things that I say in developing those mentor relationships, kind of some tips that I've learned myself um, and how I was able to do that. First, I would say that early on, particularly being somebody in a technical field, you know, I, I had a little bit of an attitude of, well, my work's going to speak for itself, right? Even though I naturally developed mentors, I I really discounted the time um, and spending some time in developing a network. And when I say a network, it's mentors can be peer. Uh, they can also be uh, superiors and, and people inside and outside your company. And so it's important to have a good, um, you know, variety, if you will, of, of mentors and uh, peer relationships. And in the early days of my career, I didn't really prioritize that. I was so busy, you know, making a um, and hitting those goals that I talked about that uh, I discounted that. But as I, um, you know, got the advice from my mentors and also um, just naturally um, became more mature, mature in my career, I did spend more and more time uh, developing those relationships. And um, there are a couple different ways that I did that. First, um, a lot of mentoring relationships in your early days come from natural uh, working relationships. So 
Um, it's people that are on a team, and sometimes it's not necessarily your direct work group. It can be a project or an initiative um, that you volunteered for. You make peer relationships there. Um, and when it comes to uh, superiors, uh, the way that I developed those early on, it's, it's a, a business partner or a customer that I did a project for, and because I did a good job for them, um, they wanted to help me. Um, and that's how a lot of those relationships happen early on. And the same thing in your peer relationship. You know, you go out of your way to help them, maybe with an expertise that you have or a knowledge you have, and they give back. So even in those superior relationships and peer relationships, try and make them two-way because then it's valuable for them and also valuable for you. Um, the other way I also um, develop those peer relationships, or I'm sorry, um, other mentor relationships is through that career planning process. So you have a natural, I find that people naturally want to help each other particularly, you know, inside your company. And so um, if you take the time to develop a career plan, and they're very basic early on, you know, what do you like to do? Uh, what do you think you're good at? What do you not like to do? Um, what are your uh, thought processes around how you would like to um, develop new skills and where you may be able to do that? And then use that as your entry point to people that you admire in the workplace or that you've seen or come into contact with that have those experiences that you're interested in and ask them if you can come talk to them. People love to talk about themselves. They love to talk about their experiences and per passions that they have. And that career plan shows them that you're serious about, you know, developing and um, will get value from their insights and, and coaching. So those are a few points that, that I would say that I've learned in developing valuable mentoring relationships. I, I think that's excellent advice. Those are some good techniques. The, the reality, though, um, for some women particularly and people of color and people who feel like they're not part of the club, the reality is that the tech sector can be a bit intimidating because we don't see women in as many jobs. We don't see as much diversity in tech as we might feel and uh, might see in other places. And I I've, I was just um, talking today with a group of, of terrific uh, women business students, and they uh, are excited and they love what they're doing, but they're also a little nervous about entering in fields where there aren't many women. And I, I know you've given this a lot of thought, why do you think it is that women still aren't really represented as much as uh, we would expect in tech? And, and, and what can we do to, to change it and to support um, women and people of color as they work their way up? Yeah, I, I too, share your um, observations and also, frankly, concerns about not having an inclusive broad base of people that feel welcomed, you know, to pursue STEM careers and, and particularly uh, tech uh, careers because, uh, you know, there are so many opportunities. And I have to say for myself personally, just such a cool 
work environment relative to the kinds of products and and the kinds of problems that you get to work on and solve just for me it's it's the problems that the that really solve really important um, challenges for the world and so um, for me I want everybody to take a hard look at working in science and technology and engineering um, and, and basically the broad STEM fields. When it comes to tech and when it comes to, um, you know, attracting more, um, you know, diverse uh, people into the profession, if I speak for my own personal experiences and observations, there is an element of, as well, um, not being afraid to pursue whatever you want to do, no matter, you know, whether it, it um, looks obvious that that's a, a career for, for somebody like you or, or not. I'm going to kind of take a little sideline and we can come back to um, specifically the challenge of diversity in tech. But one of the things that as I reflected on my career, Beverly, and, and you know, it resonates with both men and women, to be honest, but specifically women that I've come into contact with and I reflected that this is something that I've struggled with is is um, is that self-doubt and you know I I kind of coined the this uh, phrase for for my coaching which is staying fearless and staying fearless throughout your career and I kind of boil it down to to three things that um, when I came into my career, there were fewer women than there are today, uh, far fewer. And there were many times that when I was in a room full of technical peers and I was the only woman. And certainly as I um, ascended up the ranks into leadership roles, um, often the only female um, in the room. And it required that I really developed fearlessness and a part of those uh, elements was to first speak up with confidence. You know, when you're the only one that looks like you sitting around the table, it's a little intimidating, like you say, to, and I had that. You know, I, I had those same um, fears, and, and I had mentors early on that would call me out on that and basically say, you know, look, I know you have a great idea on this. Why didn't you bring it up in the in the meeting? Um, and I explained to them, um, you know, that I felt uncomfortable and they uh, pushed me basically a bit on speaking up. And so speaking up with confidence and getting your voice heard and your point of view heard is something, by the way, that I've had to continue to do throughout my career. And once you practice that and, and get over your, your fear and speaking up and being persistent, you'll find that it becomes easier and easier and it begins to be something you don't even think about. You have a good idea, you speak up. It doesn't matter who's sitting around the table. The second point that I have uh, reflected on as to becoming how I became fearless was also pushing myself to, um, you know, raise my hand for challenging opportunities. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of people who want to develop and, and so forth, but when I would see an opportunity that I thought would help me with my career development and capabilities, I would make it known to my 
um, you know, boss and mentors and, and others around me that it was something that I was interested in. And that improves your opportunities and your chances to, to get that uh, particular assignment. And then the third point um, was to take risks. You know, there were times that it was very um, intimidating, again, to take a risk. Um, but every time that I uh, put up my hand for that challenging opportunity that I was fearful of or that I took a risk, um, I had the most acceleration in my development and my career through those opportunities. So it's pushing yourself and using your mentors to help reinforce and strengthen your confidence um, and putting those wins under your belt that ultimately build that confidence over time and until you get into those positions that I am in today where um, through all of that experience you become more and more um, you know, uh, or I probably should say less and less reluctant um, to to uh, to step up and express yourself. So, you know, at its basic sense, um, no matter if you are uh, the minority in the room, um, you have to work on um, changing uh, and pushing yourself to uh, to to lose some of that fearfulness if you want to be heard and uh, you want to find your way. And that's simply um, how, uh, when I reflect on how I uh, managed my way up the ranks, um, how I did that um, was really overcoming my fears. And there were lots of times that I had conversations with myself um, and lots of times that I um, had to give myself a, a pep talk or use one of my peer network or friends to, to give me a pep talk um, to give me that confidence to, to raise my hand. So I know sometimes it seems very fundamental, but I'm telling you I've spoken to a lot of my peers um, in the executive ranks, and they share the same stories. Um, so it's fundamental, but it's something that um, is is just about you know, maturing and getting your yourself into a place where you've practiced enough to where it becomes second nature. You know, I think you're exactly right. When when I was a young lawyer in Washington, there were not that many women in the fields where I was working, like energy law. There were not there were not many women there, and I found um, that sometimes it was intimidating and sometimes it was exhausting to try to be heard and not be. Uh, treated like a um, a less than uh, lawyer. When I felt down and I thought, oh, I don't know if I can do it today, I would make myself think about, all right, what would it look like if I were completely confident, if I really yep. felt strong? And I'd maybe make a list or I'd write a paragraph in my journal and I'd try to imagine what would it look like if I were confident. And then i just try to act like it. And, you know, you're right. The confidence can follow your behavior sometimes. And, and sometimes that's, uh, that's what you, you need to do. But that's, that doesn't seem to be enough because if we look at um, companies and, and, and tech companies where women and um, uh, people of color are starting to get in the pipeline, there's still something going on because they're not going up 
um, they're not working their way up at the same rate we'd expect. Is, isn't that the case, that, that something's yeah. happening and people are... What did, I read somewhere you called it, there's a leaky pipeline. What is that all about? Yeah, yeah so your, your point is, is very good, and, and I agree with you completely that, you know, I just addressed how I addressed myself and my own, building my own confidence, which is the first thing you got to do, you know, to get yourself heard and um, to get yourself recognized as somebody that um, has good ideas and and will take risks and can get things done. That's, that's um, you know, the point that I was making about being fearless. But you're absolutely right that um, you can be as fearless as you want, but if the system and the environment, um, you know, is against you or doesn't include you fully, then you're still going to be handicapped. And, and that's really what we've been trying to do inside of Intel and inside of most corporations is to really address the inclusive workplace. Um, in the, the early days, we, we, we really, the, the value proposition and pushing the whole diversity movement was to make sure that the, the whole available workforce um, and talent were brought to bear on the problems and opportunities that your company um, was pursuing. Um, but we have extended those conversations over time to much more of a focus on creating an inclusive work environment because you can also change and grow the numbers of that diverse population, which there is strength in numbers. It does give you more confidence and comfort when you work, walk into a room with more people that look like you, but the others that don't look like you also have to give you a chance to be heard. And so that inclusive work environment is something um, that we've worked on um, extensively in most of the workplaces that, that I've um, worked in, and, and particularly here at Intel, it's what it's what's really helped us, you know, move the bar, get representation up and, and those uh, diverse ranks, but then also work on uh, the majority in the workplace to understand where there may be some unintentional biases or systemic issues of that disadvantage um, the, uh, the diverse uh, players in your work environment. And I know specifically that, you know, we've made a lot of progress. If you, you read any of the, the statistics in, um, out in uh, the, the public domain and, you know, the McKenzie report that's published annually was just published here recently, but there are lots of others that support the fact that we've made progress in getting more diversity into our working ranks but we've made less progress in progressing them at equal opportunity through the pipeline in those same percentages. So that's something that we're really focusing our t attention on, and, and I um, have been spending time on along with the other senior women at Intel um, and other uh, diversity groups at Intel is how do we uh, reach out more and be more um, sponsors in the workplace and a voice to help um, those uh, coming up the ranks and in, in, um, in pursuing those leadership ranks 
to get the um, opportunities uh, to develop their skills um, and to position themselves for those uh, leadership ranks. We still have a long way to go there. We'll be back with Bev after this brief message. Are you ready to make a difference in the world? The Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University can give you the skills to do just that. The school offers a multidisciplinary approach where public policy, environmental studies, and entrepreneurship come together to educate tomorrow's leaders. Learn more about the Master's in Public Administration or Environmental Studies by visiting ohio.edu backslash Voinovich School. What you say makes a lot of sense, and I I know that um, you've been doing a lot of good work on these issues and that Intel is among the companies that are, are making progress. And I actually feel encouraged about industry generally because there's lots of information like the McKinsey report you mentioned that a lot of research that demonstrates that if you have a diverse, inclusive culture, you're going to have innovation. You're going to have more of an exchange of ideas. You're going to have a better grasp of the marketplace. So I, I think as it becomes more clear that we can impact the bottom line by including a, a, a diverse, inclusive, by building on a diverse and inclusive culture, that that's going to provide a additional um, incentives. But I want to change yeah. gears a little bit before we finish up. I, I think you have maybe one of the dream jobs right now. You're the chief information officer at Intel, which is a, a company that seems like it's transforming itself. And, and at the same time, it's um, products and uh, everything it's doing are, are helping its customers to transform. There was a time when being in IT um, could feel like um, kind of a, a service job, uh, um, not a core job, but you're in a field that's so um, information rich that it feels like you're right in the middle of of the strategy that you you've got to know everything. So so here's my question um, for for young people who look at jobs like yours and 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 they want to grow up to be a CIO, but they want to be right in the middle of things the way you are. Are there things to study? Are there trainings, experiences beyond becoming a, a, um, a technical star that'll help people move into that strategic role? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, you, you really uh, hit a good point in where we're at, frankly, in the world right now, which is just a a boom in tech. Um, And technology and innovation has really since around the mid-2000, 2005, 2006, you saw a sharp acceleration in innovation um, in what products and capabilities and technologies were coming out of the tech sector. And um, what's happened since then and really in the past I'd say two to three years, is a big boom across all industries. So it's not just what's coming out of tech. It's what other industries are doing with technology to transform 
their industries and um, and really, frankly, uh, the world through technology. So, being a CIO in um, in Intel, we we literally walk, work across all industries and most companies um, in the world, um, no matter what geography. So I get to see a really broad landscape of what's going on, and I'm telling you, it's, there's never been a more exciting time. Um, and no matter what your job is, either if you're in tech and you're developing products or you're a CIO in any company where you're using those technology projects to help that company be more efficient or competitive, um, even if you're in a general um, role in any company, understanding technology is is really an essential component uh, of most people's jobs today because you know, you're doing your job um, and can do your job better through the advancements in technology. So I encourage anybody, and most curriculums, frankly, um, in at university today have a technology component um, and uh, learning component um, in their curriculum. But if you want to be uh, instrumental in, in, uh, in basically using technology and uh, advancing technology from a strategic standpoint, not only do you have to have that grasp of technology, but you you also have to develop those key leadership skills. You have to understand and have business acumen because it's not just the technology itself. It's applying the technology to solving problems or helping a com- company make better decisions or helping a company um, be more competitive through how they conduct business in the marketplace. And so um, having that business acumen and knowing how a company works and how a company makes money is how and serves their customers is how you're able to then apply technologies in the right place for the right advantages. So understanding how a company works is important. Financial acumen is extremely important for any um, leadership position as well. doesn't matter if it's a tech position or a direct P&L responsibility. You really have to understand how um, uh, the financials of your company work, how to make proposals and, um, and drive cost and value uh, propositions um, when you're um, driving value in the in the company, and so understanding how you add value to the bottom line um, in whatever uh, discipline or um, uh, profession that you pursue, and having a general understanding of financials is important. And the last one that I would say is negotiation. That's something I learned. Um, actually later in my career that having general negotiation skills serves you well when you're trying to influence change um, and, and when you're trying to drive strategy because mostly when you're driving strategy and change, you've got to influence others to change as well. And um, that uh, negotiating to yes and getting um, people to move in the direction not only because of the financial benefits of that proposal, but also because um, it's something 
um, that's inspiring um, them to change through some of the influence that you do through negotiation. So those are a couple of tips that I would give. That's excellent advice. No, no matter where you are in an organization, it's uh, important that you understand the business of, of the organization. What's it all about? What's it trying to do? And, and then you can add so much if you understand how change can happen and how you can negotiate change. So it's inspiring to talk with a woman like you who's, who's worked her way up to the top of an amazing company and is in a leadership role at a, at a very fast-moving time. Do you have any um, final tips uh, maybe for young women who are in the very early days of their career or just starting out uh, uh, about how they can um, get started looking for opportunities in tech and, and moving themselves forward? Yeah. Well, first of all, I would invite all um, young women and, and um, all of your listeners to consider a career in STEM. Um, it, it's something that um, is extremely important to the world for us to have some of our best um, and brightest working on problems that really impact uh, humanity and, and impact the way that the world works. And so um, those STEM careers uh, not only allow you to address those um, challenges, but they're so um, interesting and inspiring, um, you know, to come into work each day and work on problems and or solving um, and, and pursuing new ways of uh, solving the world's problems through technology. And so I, I would really encourage everybody to, to take a strong look at that. And, and you know, regardless of, of what uh, you hear that, oh, well, it's really hard, uh, you know, I'm not sure I can, um, you know, compete, um, I don't look like the majority of people in those, the, the reality is that's all the more reason for you to come into the field because it is recognized what, by what you said Beverly, and I, um, I, the conversation has changed when it comes to an inclusive work environment and a diverse work environment, not in all companies, but in many. So be careful about the company that you choose to work for and make sure that they are serious about creating that inclusive work environment because those companies who get it understand that the inclusive work environment and bringing a bunch of different points of view into solving those problems creates better innovation and better solutions in the end. Um, and so, you know, really look for a company that shares your values um, in that regard, um, a company that will is working on important problems in the world that will inspire you um, to have a, a career that you're interested in. Um, and one that uh, can keep you interested for years to come. Um, but again, you know, I would in encourage everyone to reach out to uh, peers and mentors around them, um, wherever you're at, you know, in the school system or in your community uh, that can help you understand the career paths available and those that uh, meet your interests um, the most. And And I would say when it comes to um, technology specifically, there's a lot of online capabilities, um, self-training, 
um, and programs that we've created to allow you to try out and uh, to have the flexibility to, um, uh, you know, educate yourself on some of the new technologies um, and to get people uh, young in their grade school years through their middle school to high school to college and beyond um, to really understand um, technology and to um, um, hopefully find it as challenging and as interesting as I have in, in my pursuit. Well, that's excellent advice and encouragement and inspiration. I, I really appreciate your joining me here today, Paula. I, I think you have had an impact on some of our listeners. I'm sure some people are going to be looking at STEM jobs now. Thank you so much. Thank you, Beverly. Today we've been talking with Intel CIO Paula Tolliver about her career as a leader in technology and about how women can become fearless as they forge their careers. Today's career tip is that sometimes when you're a bit afraid of an opportunity, that tingle of fear is really giving you notice that it's time to go big and go forward. It's okay to feel frightened, but sometimes it's wise to ignore the fear and say yes. If you have questions or suggestions for our show, please let us know. You can write to me at beverlyejones at me.com. That's B-E-V-E-R-L-Y-E-J-O-N-E-S at M-E dot com. This podcast is produced by W-O-U-B, Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Beverly Jones, author of Think Like an Entrepreneur, Act Like a CEO. Thank you.